Okay, well, as I said, we're starting a, a new mini-series because our series is called All In and that's going to run the whole year. But uh, every, every couple of weeks we'll start a new chapter if you like. And so this new series, this new mini-series is Loving God With Your Everything. And uh, so if we can just throw up that scripture, guys, the next screen. This is, a, this is an interesting story. Jesus was um, constantly confounding the Pharisees, yeah? You, you, you've all read the book. You, you, you read that bit where they'd come and say something to him and he'd say to them, guys, you're looking at the scriptures. You think you're going to find eternal life in them, but they all point to me. And they're going, wow, we don't understand this. And even his disciples, when they got into the whole Easter thing and they're sitting in the room and, and they're about to do Passover. And for, you know, we don't understand Passover because we're not Jews. But anybody that's a, a Jew understands that Passover is the big deal. It is the deal. And Jesus said, in the middle of the Passover meal, the big deal, he says, this is my body. What? What? This is my blood. What? You're making Passover all about you. Yes. And so they were constantly confounded by Jesus. And so they, did, they, they would send people, they'd send secret agents to come and trick him. And so you remember the story they sent uh, some Pharisees, some of the some of the Pharisee underlings, not the, the head honchos, the underlings came and said, uh, "Jesus, is it right that we should give money to to Caesar taxes? Because they wanted to trap him into a into a sort of a messianic, you know, um, brave heart William Wallace speech." And he said, yeah, just bring me a coin. And he held up the coin. He said, whose face is on the coin? They said, Caesar's. Okay, give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give God what belongs to God. They said, darn it. He got us again. And so then they sent the Sadducees. And there's a, a joke in there, but I haven't got time to tell it. And they, they said, you know, they did the story about the brothers and dying and each married the same wife and whose wife would she be in the end? And he said, boys, you make a mistake. You don't understand the power of God and, and the scriptures and got him again. So they left and they didn't want to ask him questions anymore because he was just too smart for them. And finally they got one of the scribes to come and said this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating and noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at Basically, starting with this verse and looking at loving God with our everything, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and with our strength. You know, Jesus came as a change agent. He really did. He came to change everything. And he literally changed everything. That's why the Pharisees didn't like him. Because they were, at that time, they were ruling in the everything. You know, uh, this, there's always going to be conflict when we want to change the status quo because there's always, always someone ruling in the status quo. And they're always making... That's why, you know, that's why when crime happens, people get shot. 
Because there's some people who want to change the status quo and there's people who are ruling in the status quo and getting rich by it and they don't want that to change. And that was exactly where the Pharisees were. They said, we've got to get rid of this guy. He's, he's a threat to all that we have. Because the thing they didn't like about Jesus is Jesus was always talking about other people, not the Jews. He was always coming to talk about this wider group. You know, my father has other disciples that, that you don't know about. Can't he's on about that again? They thought they were the, the chosen ones. And he was coming to upset all of this. You remember he said uh, constantly, he said, you've heard it said. You remember the Sermon of the Mount? Do this, but I say to you, this. You've heard it said, this. But I'm telling you this. He was constantly coming to bring change to what they were doing. He came, he said, I've not come to do away with the old covenant. This is really interesting. He said, I've come to fulfill it. What does that mean? He said, I'm not going to do away with it. That word lasts forever. But I'm going to come and fulfill it. And see, that word there, that verse is the centre point, is the, the crucial point of Jesus. And if we miss it, we miss it. We miss Jesus. He said, I've not come to do away with the law. I've come to fulfil it. Well, what does that mean? He says, well, I've come to fulfil it for you. And you. And you. Remember, the, the man came to Jesus and Jesus says... How do you get eternal life? And he says, by keeping the law. All these things I've done since a child. Now we know he was exaggerating. Because there's no one worthy. Not one. This is, this is the, the outrageous, outstanding, unbelievable thing about Jesus. He came and he stood in the middle between us and God and dealt with the very thing that made it impossible for us to come to God. Because the Bible says in, in Psalm 24, and I've heard people preach this and it's really amazing, but they say, who can ascend to the throne of the Lord? Do you remember that passage? Only those with a clean hands and a pure heart and have not lifted up their soul to idols or falsehood. And we all go, yay, yay for holiness. Forgetting that there is none righteous, not one. And the context of that scripture, if you read the next verse, it talks about open up your gates, uh, open up, oh, your doors, open up your gates, that the king of glory might come in. Who's it speaking about? Jesus. Because he was going to come and die on a cross and stand in history right in the middle and change everything. So that people who were once outsiders have now been brought near. People who had stuff in their life that they felt so embarrassed they could never come and stand before God and say, God, here I am. Because they knew that there was stuff there. Jesus was going to come and take all of that away. And for you and me, he was going to come and completely fulfill the law 
so that we don't have to. Now, understand this. I'm not saying that we can do what we like. What I'm saying is he's taken away the regulation. He's fulfilled it in his own being. So he gives us, if you like, a Jesus card. You know, I've got an Opal card. It's really cool. I go and get on the train, and when I go to get on the train, I pull out my Opal card, and I go, zit. And I go and sit on the train, I get off the train, pull out my Opal card, and I go, zit, and away I go. And the only time I get into trouble is if I forget to put some money on the Opal card. Sorry? I do, because I'm a man of great confidence. Because I always look how much is on the, the card when I swipe it, so I know. But we come and stand before God now. And we should be up on our chairs screaming about this. We pull out our Jesus card and we go, and into his presence. We can go. But, but what about, yep, exactly. What about? I think it's... Uh, No, I can't remember who it is. It's an English guy and he preaches about grace. And this is what he says. He says, if we're not tempted to say what about sin, we don't really understand grace. If we're not brought to the point where we ask, what about my sin? Then we have not understood grace. Because Jesus came and he took it all away. He came and he fulfilled for you and for me all the regulations, all the requirements. You know, when you join a club, they give you one of those things, you know, all the things you've got to do to join that club, all the requirements. Jesus came and fulfilled for us all the requirements. He not only fulfilled the old covenant, but he came and inaugurated the new covenant. And the new covenant was simply this, love one another. That's it. The Jews had ten laws. The, uh, the Pharisees decided that ten laws was just too dangerous. So they came up with 620. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, I'm going to deal with that with just one. Love one another. As I have loved you. That's the rider. As I have loved you. Love one another. He came as a change agent. One of the problems we have, and and I'm speaking for, when I say we, I'm talking about those of us who have grown up for any significant time in the church. We tend to look at the new covenant with Old Testament eyes. We have a tendency to interpret the new covenant through Old Testament thinking. One of the things I want you to do, can we go just, is it possible to chuck back to to Mark chapter 12 for a second? No, sorry, the next one. Sorry. Okay, verse 30, love the Lord your God. If we were reading that in the King James Version, what would it say? Does anybody know? It would say something like, thou shalt. Thou shalt love the Lord. And I looked it up in, the, in the, you know, the version that shows you all the Hebrew words. I can't read Hebrew. I have to trust the translations and stuff. But I noticed that those words, thou shalt, are not there. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. 
He just says, love the Lord your God. I think, I think the understanding is this, is if you know him. You know the old song, to know, know, know him, is to love, love, love him. If you really know him, love is the only response that we can really give. It's just the natural response. It's like um, Joel was singing about this morning, singing about Jesus. It's the natural response. It's to love him. It's to love him. But we, we have this tendency to think in terms, who, who's ever been in church and, and, and been worried about something that they've done and, and that it might separate them from God? Anybody? I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about before you came to church, before you became a Christian, because you were separated from God. <laughs> That's just the way you were. But I'm talking about after you've become a Christian and thou shouts really played on your mind. Anybody? Anybody been there? Just the three of us. Let, let the three of us be true and all the rest called a liar. That's what I say. But the reality is that that thinking slowly creeps into us and we think in terms of old covenant, old covenant. Rules, regulations. Got to live up to a standard. Got to fulfill a thing. Got to jump over a, a, a wall. Got to... Measure yourself, how tall, how good, how smart, how polished. And Jesus came and said, no, that's finished. I fulfilled it all. All you've got to do is come and stand in me. Just respond to me. And uh, we can go back to to the slides, guys, if you like. So he institutes a new covenant that's no longer based on law, but based on love. And this is the way he puts it. This is interesting. Remember the old days was, do this and therefore you'll be good. Do this and you'll be in. Jesus didn't say that. He says, if you love me, keeping my command which just follow. It'll be natural for you. It'll be like breathing in and breathing out. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Not if you keep my commandments, then you will love me. No, it's the other way around. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, the old covenant was about regulation. The new covenant's about invitation. Would you come? If anybody will, would you come? But what what about my sin? Don't worry about that. Would you come? Let us all go into the presence of God with with confidence. But you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. doesn't matter. Would you come? The regulation's been done away with. It's been fulfilled in Christ. Now all there is is an invitation to come into God's presence and to love him. And to love him. You know, we were praying before the service this morning. I was so excited when I got out here and Joel singing that songs. I thought, he's got to know the Holy Ghost or something. Because I was praying and I'm saying, God, just in my heart, because I didn't have an opportunity to pray just like out loud, like, professional you know I was just praying in my heart and um and I was saying God just all through the service let people see you so that they might respond to you and love you and connect with you and you know whether it's the singing or the the announcements or even the offering you know it's it's hard for Aussies to connect when it involves giving money away but let them see you in the midst of that and respond to you so it's no longer demanding A requirement, it's asking for a response. It's saying, will you love me? 
Okay, next slide. This is all introduction, by the way. It's pretty good, though, isn't it? (laughs) I like this part. The Jews were always looking for loopholes. You know, in the law, that's the, that's the role of a, of a lawyer, a defence lawyer, is to look for loopholes. It's to look for reasons why the law doesn't apply to you. The kids were watching a movie the other day on my iPad uh, and then it closed and they, um, they decided that they wanted to get back into the iPad so they tried to enter my passcode that they don't know. I'm thinking I might tell them what it is because it shut down and said, this iPad is disabled. And I was awake till two o'clock on Friday night, Friday morning, Saturday morning, trying to get my iPad back. And the only way I could get my iPad back was to, you guessed it, wipe it out and start again. (sighs) Loopholes. But in this movie, in this movie they were watching... Anybody seen Barry the Bee? Yeah, I'm not surprised. It's a, it's a really kids movie. But, but you know, um, what his, what's his name? Jerry Seinfeld is Barry the Bee, the, the voice of Barry the Bee. Anyway, the Bee movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay, sorry. Got, uh, there's this, there's this, this moment where Barry has to get, uh, get a lawyer. Do you remember that scene? And the lawyer is a mosquito. And he said... You're a mosquito and you're a lawyer. And he said, well, I was already a blood-sucking parasite. All I needed was a briefcase. (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. But the the Jews were always looking for loopholes. When Jesus talked about the neighbour, one of them said, yeah, but who's my neighbour, really? Anybody that's had a five-year-old boy, uh, or a five-year-old girl for that matter, will understand loopholes. Um, Our daughter said to Jonah that he had to clean his room and he said well actually mum it's not my room it's your room you paid for it (laughs) and she said yes but I let you live in here and he said yeah but you could let anybody live in here he's five he's gonna be a nightmare when he's 15 but but wait it gets worse she said but this is all your stuff on the floor and he said well actually mum you paid for it it's your stuff it's not my stuff that's the part where you grab them by the ankles and you go, pow, 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 clean the room. But aren't we like that? Don't we look for loopholes? You know, it's like, it's like God draws a line in the sand and says that's the law. And we want to go up to it as close as we can and even get our foot slightly on the line but not over the line. You know, we're not breaking the law but we're really close. We want to get as close as we can to breaking the law without actually going over the line. And, and we'll do even the thing like they do in soccer. It's okay to have your arm over the line but not your feet because you can't, you can't do anything with your hand to the ball. So it can't come into play so it can be over the line and offside. But as long as your head and your feet are not offside, it's all good. Jesus says, no, hang on, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to step over the other side and I'm going to say, come on over. Come on over. It's not about a regulation, it's about an invitation. So when we, when we say that, I, you know, this is one of those times I said all that to say this. 
Because if we, if we don't get that first, if we don't understand that, if we don't understand what the new covenant's about, if we don't understand that Jesus has fulfilled it, we have a tendency to look at love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and your neighbour as yourself through Old Testament eyes. And we think of it as a regulation. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. <clears throat> I'm going to do it. And we can't. So Jesus says, I've done it. So let's, let's now have a look at it. Love the Lord your God with everything. So now we're into the series. So this week we're going to look at loving the Lord your God with your heart, talking about your purpose, passion and priorities. Um, next week I believe it's Adam who's going to be looking at the soul, about the expression of our inner, inner life, what we do, what we say, what comes out of us. Um, I think uh, Graham is going to look about the mind and the intellect, our intellect and our thinking. And then Pam is going to bring it home on the last week, loving God with our strength, every, our everything, our time, energy and resources. So let's, let's look at Psalm 119, verse 12. Actually, we can go to that next screen. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Okay, we haven't got time to look at that. We'll just go over to the next one. See, I... I do all this things really ordered on my screen and then when I get in the middle of it, I ad-lib so much that I haven't got enough time to do the, some of them. So wholeheartedly, the psalmist writes, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? With my whole heart I've sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I've treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. And my response to that is, really, David? Really? How did that work out for you? What do you mean, Bathsheba? Well, yeah, but that was kind of, that was just a bad day. Okay, um, let's go with Absalom. Yeah, well, you know, everybody can have two bad days. No, we've got to remember that David was a prophet. With my whole heart I've sought you, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I've treasured in my heart, that I might not sin against you. I don't believe David and the Bible is really talking about the scriptures there. And I'm not saying anything bad about the scriptures because I love the scriptures. I think it, it, it looks forward to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word, and he created everything. And then the Word... Uh, was was light and the light went out of the darkness and the darkness could not overcome the light of the word and the life of the word and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten son of God, full of grace and truth. I think that's prophetic. I think that's pointing forward to a day when the word will live in our hearts by faith, Ephesians chapter 3, that Christ might dwell in us. By faith. But that's the challenge for us, to love God with all our hearts. Psalm 9 and verse 1 says, um, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I find it difficult to bring my whole heart to just about anything. I don't know what you're like, but that's just me. I, look, I find it really difficult to be over-exuberant, except when I'm preaching. Then I jump and wave my hands around, but that's not who I really am at home 
I just kind of lie on the TV and read my, lie on the lounge, watch the TV and read my iPad. But here, wholehearted, wholehearted is a challenge, don't you think? You know, there's some people that, I'm sure Adam with his music, that's probably pretty close, whole heart, well, whole fingers. And But wholeheartedly, love God with our whole heart. That's a challenge, isn't it? And it's a challenge because, go to the next screen. It's a challenge because our heart's divided. The psalmist says, Psalm 86 verse 11, Teach me, O Lord, your way, that I might rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. I think a divided heart's a challenge for all of us, yeah? It is, isn't it? To have a heart that's, that's full of integrity. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about that holiness thing, although it comes out of it. Integrity is like what that scripture says in Deuteronomy 6.5 that Jesus was quoting. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The verse before says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. One. What does that mean? Well, he's one. There's not mixture. There's not variance. That's just God. And I find in my life, and I don't know about you, but I'm guessing you're probably similar to me, I find there's lots in my heart sometimes. And when I, when, when I want to come and follow God with all my heart, the challenge is there's other stuff in there. And that's why David says, and you know, the great thing about David and the Psalms is it's not so much a statement of fact as is it a statement of process. He says, he says cleanse me, O God, purify my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. I was praying that coming to church today. God, you know how easy it is for me to have a divided heart. I love you and I want to serve you, but there's other things that get in the way. And, uh, and then somebody drives across in front of me when I'm coming to church and, and this heart full of love and compassion, all of a sudden, in a moment of time, you do, what are you doing? It's, it's tripped. God, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. God, come and deal. Give me, here he is crying out again. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. Am I talking to the, to the, to the converted today or am I talking to, to those that understand? We all struggle with this, don't we? A divided heart. And I am so glad that it's no longer about regulation because I've got to tell you, I would fail. Do I have any friends? I would fail. If it comes to the undivided heart test, I would fail it. But Jesus has got a pure heart. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord and who may approach his holy place? Only him who has clean hands and a pure heart. Praise God for Jesus, clean hands and Jesus, pure heart. Because he approached on our behalf and when he said, it is finished, it was finished for you and for me. That, that measure up to regulation thing was completely done away with and he simply said, come. If you're weary, come. If you're thirsty, come. If you've been living with five men and the one you're living with now is not your husband, 
if you spent your time and your life cheating people by taking more tax than you should, come down from the tree and come. I want to have a meal at your house. Come. Come. It's all about invitation. Come. Okay, next screen. Thanks, guys. Solomon says, above everything else, guard your heart. I think that once we find ourselves getting into that place of relationship with God and we say to him, God, come and change my heart. Come and give me a pure heart, Lord. Exchange my heart of stone for a heart of flesh, just like Jeremiah promised you would. Give me a new heart. You know, there's some that says that the heart of man is deceitful, uh, deceitfully wicked above all things. But Jeremiah says, this is the new covenant I will make with you. I will take away your old heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh that will obey me. God, come and take away my divided, stony heart and give me your heart of flesh that I might love you. And because I love you, I might walk in your ways. And then, God, I will guard my heart. And the best way to guard your heart is don't do stuff and look at stuff that damage your heart. Because it's out there. It's out there. I don't know how the spam people get my email address, but every couple of days I've got like 30, 40 messages in my email box that spam. And I just, I don't even look at them now. I just go and delete spam. I found that there's a tendency, what's that about? Some of it you don't want to know what it's about because it's really bad. But I just go, no, no, delete spam. Delete spam. I don't look at the spam. I just press the delete spam because I want to guard my heart. I don't want to let my heart get into places where it's vulnerable to being damaged, to being, being tarnished. A guarded heart. And then the reason for all of this, and this is, this is kind of the important thing. It's kind of the reason, but it's also the way, if you know what I mean. Do you get that? I, I was I really struggling. The next slide, guys. I was really struggling with this, this slide because I didn't know whether to make the slide the first one or the last one. Because it, it is the reason, but it's the way, if you get me. Look what it says. So the Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Isn't that a great verse or series of verses? That I might, Jesus, come and dwell in my heart. So that, and in my Bible, you know, the old days when you used to have a, a writing Bible, you know, one on paper and stuff. Some of, some of you kids will want to understand that. It's what, it's what you version used to be before there was, like, phones and stuff, okay? In my, in my, uh, my, old, my old New International Version, in the, in the par- in, like, what is it called now, the margin. In the margin there, it says... So that Christ might dwell in your faith, verse 18, so that you may have power, so that, I've written, so that, so that, 
Because there's a series of things that builds in this passage, ending up with, so that you might be filled to the full measure of God. Filled to the full measure of God. Jesus, would you come and dwell in my heart? Because I realise I can't do this. Pam said it today. With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. 